Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid-lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozmet. I'm the mom of two boys, six and 12, a teacher and a writer. Welcome to the first episode of Two Lit Mamas. Yay! Woohoo! <laughs> Margie and I decided to create this podcast because we were already talking about kids books at least once a week over the phone. So eh, why not, right? Why not share our wisdom? I also decided to do this because um, my BFF moved away from the Midwest and is now living in New England. And this is a good reason for us to stay in touch, right? I mean, yeah, obviously. <laughs> it's, it's a little better on our livers to do this than our wine talks. So it might devolve into wine talk, but we'll see. Okay. I kind of hope so. We should say that the lit part of Tulip Mama stands for literature, not literary, because we are not book snobs. We will be talking about any kids' books that we love. Um, I don't think you can be book snobs if you're talking about like middle school part joke books <laughs> <laughs> but I really kind of hope that the whole lit part was like lit like drunk but maybe that's not appropriate like it could be like two lit moms two wind up winos talking about kids books which is basically what this is so go on I was gonna say if people were expecting two middle-aged moms who were getting drunk and talking they might be disappointed or they might not I mean it could go either way right let's see for the first episode of Tulip Mamas, we're going to talk about our favorite middle grade authors. So let's get started. All right. Um, I think it's safe to say, wouldn't you agree, that our favorite middle grade authors are probably random and all over the place? Totally, because like we're totally yes. like couldn't be opposite ends of the spectrum. Like you're the blonde and I'm the brunette. And I'm the history buff and you're the fart joke queen. <laughs> I like the fart jokes boy literature. <laughs> and see, I'm going to call it literature because I feel like so much to validate the fart jokes there. I agree. I agree. They're just not literary maybe, but literature for sure. So who's your favorites? If, you, if I said, give me your top two, like who would you go for? You know, I'm surrounded by books right now with notes on all of them. So that's why you're telling me to pick two because I cannot do it. You're super nerd. Um, I would probably say Richard Peck and I have to say Madeline Lingle because that's a throwback to my favorite when I was actually in middle grade. So those would have to be my top I'm two. such a great nerd. I still, I'm, I'm like old. I'm like close to like half a century old and I still cannot totally understand Madeline Lingle. I'm still like, did I get that? I don't think so. I mean, I even taught it with like seventh graders and I'm like, I don't know if I still get this. And the fact that you got it when you were like 10. Yeah, come on now. Well, I also have to point out that when I was researching for what my favorite stuff was and who my favorite authors were, I realized I was kind of stuck in the 90s and the early 2000s. Like your prime years, right? That was when my hair was good. Everything was working out well. No kids, no husband. It was awesome. I know. I have actually read modern books, but <laughs> anyways. Did you want to talk maybe about our mutual favorite author that we have that fits both of our categories? We have like this creepy fangirl sick relationship, sort of like love for Margaret Peterson Haddocks. And yesterday when yes. I was doing research, I was like watching book trailers and this, I saw this amazing interview with her where it was this, there's this teacher and he asks one question and it's like literally called the one question, you know, like one question four and all these different middle grade writers. He's a, a middle school English teacher. And she was just like everything about her. I mean, how do you not want to just go have coffee with her? She's just like, oh, I know such a cool sort of down to earth, like super nerd. You can tell she's nerdy too, which is awesome because you know, um, 
But here's the exciting news on that point. When I was doing this yesterday, I don't know, I told you about the Greystone Secrets. That's the new series that she has out. And I read the first one, The Strangers. The way that she leaves those books, like you can't help it, you have to, you have to read the next one, which I think is brilliant on so many levels. You keep your readers going and you keep your sales going. She's like, she's brilliant. Um, so the next one, The Deceivers, which is going to pick up right when that one leaves off, it came out this month. So I'm so excited. I'm Ooh. already waiting for it um, because, you know, everything is closed up. So we're quarantining. Are you going to get it at your favorite bookstore? You have to tell everyone what your favorite bookstore is. Well, it's closed. It's still closed. It can't open yet. But yes, we haven't. That's one of my other favorites. He's on my list. I love Jeff Kenny. And now we should say that you live, what, like 20 minutes away yes. from his bookstore. Yeah. That's just so cool. Well, you know what I discovered about Margaret Peterson Haddix when I was researching was that she grew up on a farm in Ohio. Oh, so she's she, one of us. That's why we love her. She's I know. One of our people. I know. I, uh, Margie grew up on a farm in Iowa, and I grew up on a farm in Illinois. Put Margaret on the end. Oh my God, we're we're a trifecta. That's it. Like, and we lived in Indiana, so there we go. She worked in Indiana. It's meant to be. You don't have to just stalk her anymore. We could be girlfriends. She's not aware of any of it. No, of course not. Isn't that like how middle school crushes work? Hello, this is all things middle school. That's how they work. You know, another thing that I love about her that endears her, I don't know if it's a good thing, but you know, The Village by M. Night Shyamalan totally ripped off. 100% he ripped that off. He did her wrong. He did her wrong. I know. And he didn't even act like he knew anything about her book, which by the way, had sold 500,000 copies by that point. So I call BS on that for sure. So here's a, here's an interesting tie back, right? So she came to promote that the book after that. And I totally don't remember which one it was because it was a hundred years ago when I was teaching in Philadelphia at a school, she came on a book tour and her kids were still little because she was talking about like writing the books between nap times. Like that's how long ago this is. So she, and that had just come out and and I had just finished reading that. And M. Night Shyamalan, Shyamalama Ding Dong, is also <laughs> from Philadelphia. And he also films everything in Philadelphia. And um, so, of course, being like the one teacher that asked the question, I was like, do you know this connection? Do you think this connection? She's like, no, I don't really know what this movie's about. I don't think it's connected. And then the movie came out and I was like, girl. You've been done wrong. I think there there was talk of a lawsuit at some point because the ending was so The similar whole thing was book. so similar. I know. The book we're talking about, by the way, I guess we should say is Running Out of Time, which is set in Indiana. I didn't realize that. Yeah. She came and talked at our library here and she said it was based in Indiana and it was based on the Living History Museum that we have. She was working as a reporter in Indianapolis and had covered Connor Prairie is what it's called. And uh, so it inspired her to write that book. And I love that book. I know it's one of her very older ones. That was my first one. That was like, that was yeah. my very first introduction to her. And I was like, I was, that was it. I was already a groupie. And honestly, the main character is a girl, but my son loved this book so much. It was one of it's his like favorites. It's like a massive page turner. But you know, I think that's the thing about all of her, probably why we're like such groupies is because like they're, they're totally, usually a lot of them, there's always a boy and a girl or a brother and a sister. So she's, you know, like there's so many that are like brother, brother and a sister, right? Or whatever they are. So it's really well balanced. You don't read this and you're like, oh, it's a female protagonist or it's a male protagonist. It's sort of, she's, she's balances them really good. It's like as technically in that book, it's a female protagonist. You don't feel like it's like a girly book. You know what I mean? 
Well, I feel like she knows how to write real girls. Real girls are just normal people. <laughs> They're not, they don't have to be girly. Sometimes they have to save a whole village. Or humanity, let's be honest. That's what we're here for right now. Let's just save humanity. One of the things about that book too is that like, and the fact that M. Night Shyamalan never admitted that he had read it was that it's not the first time in history where a man took credit for a woman's work. And I just feel like she's, uh, she's among the divine goddesses that have been done wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Before she uh, takes out a restraining order on us, we should probably move on. Oh my God. I would be so honored if she took out a restraining order on me. I would frame it. All right. So I get to say one of my big faves and I have to say, I love Carl Heisen. Carl Heisen. I love his grown up books, but I love his kids books. And I think that like my son has read all of them, my older son, and um, I've read all of them. We'd like wait for the next one to come out. Um, like Chomp and Hoot and Flush and Scat. I love the first, I love the, like the one name titles. I think everything about them. But the thing that I love the most is what you don't feel like you're reading a kid's book, especially if you've read a lot of his adult books. You don't, he just kind of like took out the, like the sex and violence pretty much. And he just, it's the same thing, but he just sort of toned it down and put a, pro, a protagonist that's, you know, 12 instead of 32. And I think he, he it, it, it's not dumbed down. It's not like, that's what I hate more than anything about a lot of kid lit is that it's dumbed down. And I have spent 25 years in middle school, either as a middle schooler or as a middle school teacher. And there is no reason to dumb anything down. Middle schoolers don't need a dumbed down. <laughs> Right. Oh, I'm on the Kidlet Facebook group and they were just talking about that because somebody had posted a comment about how people who were reading her books said that she was using words that were too big for middle schoolers and they thought it wasn't appropriate. And so she mentioned it. She's like, what, do, what should I do about that? And everybody's like, uh, no, <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Middle schoolers vocabularies are just fine. As long as you explain in context, if you're using a new word, you don't think they're going to know. It's fine. They're smart kids. Give them the benefit of the doubt. And also, I think kids like to be challenged. I'm telling you, when my son was little, he would not read the words uh and the in a sentence because he thought they were just not worth his time, but he could read all the names of the dinosaurs. He would read Stegosaurus, Brontosaurus. And so I just feel like kids love to be challenged. It makes them feel, you know, more grown up. Totally. And that's what I think I hate most about some of the some of the classics or things like that. And people get labeled like, oh, this is an amazing book. No, it's not. It's crap. It's just amazing because some old lady liked it. And she was like, oh, it's this literary genius. <laughs> and meanwhile, the kids that I'm teaching, I'm like, okay, they have to read this for class. And they're like, oh, snoozerama. I'm a historical fiction person. Like that's my favorite world. And I feel like that is one area where those things can happen, where it can be too literary, too aspiring. And then the kids just get bored with it. That's why I love Richard Peck because he wrote these amazing stories. He passed away in 2018, but he has like 35 novels. But my very, very favorite are the collection of short stories that he wrote, starting with A Long Way from Chicago, A Year Down Yonder. Well, and of course I love it. It's your hood. It was set in Illinois. I know it's basically my hood because it's just south of Chicago out in the country. And that's where I grew up. And so it meant so much to me, but let me just read you. Okay. First of all, these are short stories collections, but they're a novel in short stories, which I love because if you have a reluctant reader or a kid 
who's not into it. I mean, it's just one story. They get a beginning, middle and end and, you know, and it's one chapter and then they can be done for their reading for the day if they want. But like the very first, this is so boy book, I got to say, but I mean, girls are awesome too. They would love it. But the first chapter is called Shotgun Cheatham's Last Night Above Ground. How awesome is that? The first line is, you wouldn't think we'd have to leave Chicago to see a dead body. That is the very first line of the first chapter in that book. I mean, who wouldn't want to read that? That's awesome. And it's so accessible. That's, I mean, I like historical fiction writers who are accessible. That's why I love Christopher Paul Curtis. That's why I love Pam Munoz Ryan. Um, those are just some of my faves. Lori Hulse Anderson borderlines on literary because she's, I mean, she has the most beautiful prose and her writing is amazing. I mean, I loved Fever, uh, 1793. Oh my God. Again, like that's another one of those, like read that with a bunch of sixth graders in Philadelphia while we were studying Philadelphia. And it was so much fun because when we were done reading the book we just went down to old city and we were touring all the places and we're like oh my god this person died here and you, it was just so fun to track the book in its place and that's an epidemic the fever 1793 so if you really want to scare yourself right now while we're in quarantine you can read that such book. a good book though it's such a I, I tried to get my son to read it and he's like mom please but now i think he would i think i think now that he could tie it in he, he i think he would probably be down with that that is the challenge, isn't it? Because like, I love Gary Paulson books, but I could not get my son to get into them either because they're kind of slow moving. They're, they were written, you know, at a time where you eased your way into a book where now everything has to be like grab attention and the first line. I love the, his, all of his books, but I understand why it's harder for some kids to get into them now because they are a little slow. It, they are a little slow. We read Hatchet in sixth grade at my school now. And um, I guess it does kind of ease you into the story. Um, another book I was reading, like a grown-up book, as I like to call them, was just doing the same thing. And it's so funny because I was talking to another friend. I said, I just love how like nothing happened. Like I was halfway through before anyone died and it was so nice. So I wonder if like, given the circumstances of the world and everything, if, if we'll head back that direction, maybe like slow it down. I wonder if books will start to slow back down again and not be so urgent, so fast moving and everything. Cause I think that's what this whole like quarantine dream has done for us. I know. I like this idea of just like leisurely starting into a story. And I was like waiting for like chapters and chapters to see who was going to get off. You know, it was one of those little like foo foo mysteries that I like, but, but it was nice, you know? Um, do we have anything else to add about middle grade writers? Do you have any more of your favorites you want to discuss or should we wrap it up? I think we should wrap it. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with a segment we're calling the quarantine dream. All right. So Heather, what have you been doing during quarantine besides drinking wine and eating the cake that I sent you? <laughs> Oh my gosh, we ate so much of that cake. It was bad. I was so jealous. Oh, it was white chocolate raspberry cake, y'all. It was amazing. Because you know what? You could send flowers or you could send a cake. And what's a fat girl do? She sends the cake because that's how it is because that's what life's about. <laughs> that's a girl who loves me. During quarantine, first of all, I've tried not to do much. I mean, I'm pajama girl, binge watching whatever I can, but I will say that I did start a slight picture book obsession, which I didn't realize had gotten so out of control until I was going th all through all the stuff I've been doing. So as a children's writer, I feel like picture books are the hardest 
thing to do. And as a preschool teacher, I read a ton of picture books. I love picture books. They're so much fun. And I just felt like I wanted to tackle that challenge because I'm not sure that I'm up for it. It's like, I know just enough to be dangerous. My life in a nutshell right there. So, dun dun dun, dun enter Ari Chung's Storyteller Academy. They offered a free picture book week, free seminars every day. It was amazing. We have the same sort of thing for Ari Chung that we have for Margaret Peterson Haddock. So just FYI, he'll be our next restraining order. That'll be nice. Oh, he's so adorable. It was all free. And of course, you know, they want you to sign up to their classes, which have got to be amazing. I have to say, I know he's not paying me to say this, but because the stuff they give away for free is so oh my gosh, I learned so much. And they give you like handouts and forms to like help you think of ideas and structure. And, and he did them for kids too. He gave free ones out to kids this uh, during the quarantine. He did a Zoom call the first one. He was trying to figure out like how to do it. I would have killed some of those children. I mean, he was like so patient and loving and I'm like, I'm a teacher. And I was like, oh, uh, no. I'll tell you the free one with the adults wasn't much better. <laughs> He had to like reprimand people at one point because they were complaining about not being able to get in, but it's free and it's recorded. So if you signed up, you got a recording three hours later or something ridiculous. Sometimes I would do the class and then watch the recording. I like to get it after the fact. Yeah. Well, and he was so patient. I couldn't believe it because he allowed like so many question breaks for people to ask questions, which I would have not done. That. I would have been like, I gotta go. Or I would have been like, type in your questions and then I'll just cherry pick the ones that actually make sense. But there were some kids on the free one for the adults too, which was, it was so great because they asked really amazing questions. So I thought that was really fun. But anyway, so that's what I'm trying to do right now is figure out how to write a picture book. So that's kind of uh, boring, I guess. I don't know, but it's been fun for me. You get to read a lot. I know you get to read a lot of kids books. That's awesome. So what have you been doing during quarantine, Miss? I have a first grader and a sixth grader, and then I teach. So uh, between getting them both homeschooled and then my own kids that I'm teaching, it's been a little hectic. Today, I had one kid on one side of me doing two-digit numbers plus single-digit numbers, and then the other one was learning how to do algebraic equations, both new concepts to both kids. And then one of my other kids was like Zoom calling me because he needed help with his eighth grade science. And I was like, this is a lot right now to try to differentiate, but we're going, we got it. So it's kind of nice. We can, we try to finish by like one o'clock because everybody just needs a brain break. It's too much. But my little guy has been learning to read. He's partially deaf and he only has one ear. So reading has been really hard for him because it's really hard to pick up sounds if you can't hear the sounds. So this year he's almost seven and this year he finally, his reading just like took off since he's been home. So we have been reading all the weird school books from Dan Gutman. Oh my God, Miss Sue Has No Clue, Miss Craft is Daft. I mean, we've been reading through all of them and they are so fun. And I read so many of them with my other son, my older son, like five years ago, but they're still cracking me up. And I love to read them with him because they're funny. They still are really funny. So I love Dan Gutman and he's been like our saving grace. He's also been doing readings on Facebook every day of his books and they're just fun because they're just so goofy and they're just like I love early readers like chapter books like that they're just so fun and everything rhymes and it's I like it and on top of that I started working on um, a new mystery book with my best bud in New York and he and I've known each other for years and years and he was a fabulous drag queen back in the day so our mystery takes place on Cape Cod because he's from here too originally and has lived in New York for a long time and it's about an old um, drag queen who retired 
Myers and buys a little bookstore in P-Town in Cape Cod and his chubby little friend who used to be a costume designer like myself in New York and they solve mysteries together ripped from the headlines. <laughs> so we've been working on that and it's been really fun. Of course, to catch up on my drag, I've been watching Dragnificent and all those like drag race and all these other shows with my 12 year old son who's like, thinks it's fabulous, but God forbid I ever let anyone know that he's doing, oh, I just told people. <laughs> <laughs> that's our little thing, like <laughs> drag shows <laughs> because that's what any mother and son should do together. So that's been our quarantine, that and we've been eating and cooking and just trying to not kill each other. <laughs> all right. On that note, I'm going to say thank you for listening to Two Lit Mamas. If you want to join us twice a month for Kid Lit Discussions, please subscribe to our podcast through any of the places where you get your podcasts. And you can see that they're a highbrow literary <laughs> discussion. Bye. Bye.